Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Welcome to episode three of the Off the Glass podcast, where we're bringing you a fresh, thought-provoking, intelligent perspective to the name to the game of basketball. I'm your host Z. Thanks for joining me again today. And before we get into today's episode, which is going to be on the NCAA and the FBI probe and the shoe scandal involving Adidas, just want to kind of comment on a couple of things that were in the news, NBA-wise. It was reported. Uh, yesterday that the Sixers inked Joel Embiid to a five-year, $148 million contract. Now, it seems to be that it's not the normal five-year extension, that there might be some clauses in there, some incentives due to the fact of his injury history since he's been in the league. So if that's true, that makes smart. That's very smart on the 76ers part. So um, just want to announce that. Also, uh, the Denver Nuggets and Gary Harris over the weekend agreed to a four-year, $84 million contract. So they, they locked up one of their young guards for the long term, and that bodes well for them because they now have him. Uh, Jokic should be coming up soon, Millsap on the contract. So that puts the future pretty bright right there in, in Denver Nuggets. So just wanted to kind of comment on that before we jumped into this this shoe scandal. And we're going to jump right into it. You know, it was Breaking news back at the end of September about how the FBI had been investigating uh, Adidas and several major college universities and assistant coaches and many people goes, were impl- implicated in this scandal. Um, the information that I'm about to give, just to kind of recap everything that took place before I give my whole opinion and what I think about the whole scandal, the whole system and you know college basketball and college sports as a whole the whole idea of this amateurism, how it's a joke, how um, you have coaches, institutions, people outside, businesses making millions upon billions of dollars off the backs of these athletes only for them not to see not a dime of money. And then, of course, we'll get into this as well. Everybody wants to wave the the education flag around like, like education as a whole these days really means something. But before I get too far into it, I want to kind of touch on some of the facts. And I'm pulling this information from CBSSports.com, and it was written by CBS sports writer Matt Norlander. And the assistant coaches that were implemented was USC, University of Southern California, Arizona, Oklahoma State, and Auburn. Now, these are the basketball programs. It's also important to to note that none of the schools themselves were implicated, nor the head coaches were implicated. There were also several financial advisors, former NBA agents, and a, a high-ranking Adidas rep- representative and Adidas representatives were also involved. And basically, it went like this. You had several uh, different schemes, three different schemes to be exact, and, and kind of going on here. And you know, it was basically like you saw in that movie Blue Chips, where they touched on 
with uh you know the movie that Anthony Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal and Nick Nolte starred in, where they kind of showed you some of the corruption, some of the behind the scenes that goes on in college sports. And basically, this was the same thing here. You had a you know money man that would link up with these assistant coaches, and the, the thing was to get money to these to these coaches or get money to the players so they can go to certain schools that were tied to the shoe company. And the shoe company, of course, in question is Adidas. They also would move money secretly to the families of these high school recruits. They even, in some cases, were able to move money through some of the youth basketball grassroots programs just to get the money uh, to the players. And like I stated, you know, it's three separate complaints tied to two schemes. Excuse me, I had to reread this. And the first scheme, like I stated, was to get assistant coaches to lure players to specific college programs. The second scheme was to get money to the families of those players. The goal was for that player to have an allegiance to the shoe company, Adidas, after they left college. So the first question I had was, you know, how did the FBI even you know, get wind of this was going on. And of course, it was a gentleman by the name of Martin Blazer who agreed to become a cooperating witness, or as we like to say in the streets, he decided to become a snitch. And when he got busted by the SEC in 2016 for fraud, he agreed to cooperate with the FBI in this case and give them some information. So as usual, somebody gets caught for doing something else illegal. And instead of taking their punishment, they decide to start telling on everybody else. And just real quick, you know, um, I am against snitching, but I'm not against telling. It's two totally different things. A snitch is somebody who is involved in criminal activity. So that could be like, um, you know, to the listeners out there, if you and your friend decide to go steal a car, you get caught, but your friend get away. You decide to tell on your friend. You're a snitch. Now, in the process, if an older woman or uh, a gentleman getting off work, if they happen to see you steal the car and they were able to identify you, that's them telling because they did not agree to enter into a criminal conspiracy with you. So to me, I have no problem with people telling. I have problems with people snitching, people who go out and do things. And then instead of taking a punishment like a man or a woman, they want to go and tell on everybody else and implement everybody else. I think it's very cowardly, but that's neither here nor there. It's noted that the payments range from $13,000 all the way up to $100,000. It's, it's a key point to point out that the NCAA did not take part in this investigation. My belief is they probably knew the feds, that is, that the NCAA would mess this investigation up. The funny thing is, too, out of this case, the FBI uh, and the U.S. Attorney's Office even created a tip line for people who wanted to snitch on themselves or anybody else who wanted to snitch who had information. So uh, this investigation is long from, from over. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if other shoe companies might get in, indicted in this if they get brought in because believe me you guys you got to be completely naive completely un in the dark somewhere or a complete fool if you think all the major shoe companies you know had doesn't know about some of this going on now the question remains is it something like this going on at the higher levels as in this case I mean you had a a top Adidas executive who got brought in on, on these charges and um, since I brought it up real quick, I'll just name him, and then we'll name the coaches that are involved. And the, you know, the uh, first director of Adidas Global Sports Marketing is Jim Gatto. He's accused of paying families of two high-profile recruits to play for Adidas-affiliated schools. 
One of those schools in question is Louisville. The money exchanged with the two families was $100,000 and $150,000, according to the FBI. But he was not working alone. His right-hand man was a guy by the name of Merle Cold, who ironically recently left Nike for Adidas. He was involved in these exchanges as well. As I mentioned, there was a former NBA agent, which not surprisingly, he was recently fired from his agency, ASM Sports. He brokered or organized the deals between assistant coaches and Gatto. He was caught on a wire saying, if you're going to fund those kind of guys, I mean, we'll be running college basketball. Also implicated was Jonathan Brand, Brad Augustine, president of the league initiative, director and Adidas sponsor program. He helped phone money and high money through that youth basketball program. He's also involved and connected to the recruitment of an unidentified 2018 player who is being courted by a number of high-profile schools. You also had Mush Sud, financial advisor, along with Dawkers. The U.S. Attorney's Office alleges was the power broker in helping move approximately $250,000 to families of high school basketball players with the help of Gatto. And last but not least, Rashawn, I think it's Michael, representative Thompson, bespoke clothing. He's also a former NCAA uh, referee, was involved intensely with the, with the coach. And that assistant coach was Chuck Person at Auburn. So since I brought per- Person up, Chuck Person, the famous NBA player, the rifleman, played several uh, years in the NBA, was also a coach in the NBA Um, He's accused of handling a total of $141,000. He's also accused of taking $91,500 from from the the guy mentioned, the the snitch, um, the cooperating witness, uh, Martin Blazer, to steer a player. He also took another $50,000 for a bribe. Um, You had Emmanuel Book Richardson, the Arizona assistant coach. Um, And it's also um, mentioned, unless they've changed, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I believe Auburn is not an Adidas school. I'm not quite sure what they wear. I want to say they wear Under Armour, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, Auburn is not an Adidas school. Arizona is not an Adidas school. It's actually a Nike school. That's why I said it's going to be remain to see how many other shoe companies get caught up in this scandal. But um, the Mr. Richardson, it's always funny, uh, they always got to give the black man's nickname, Book. Um, he was uh, accused of paying a player $5,000 along with accepting $20,000 in bribe money. Um, uh, the next coach was Lamont Evans. He worked at Oklahoma State. He's accused of accepting bribe money while coaching also at uh, South Carolina as well as Oklahoma State, totaling um, $22,000. And then you had Tony Bland, uh, University of Southern California, USC assistant, accused of of providing $9,000 to the families of two current USC players. So very interesting scandal. Um, I was surprised when it broke. Like I stated, not surprised that this is going on, just surprised that they had this kind of information. And the first thing I kind of wanted to touch on is, you know, the first thing they always want to say is, and the coaches come out and say, oh, we had no idea that that this was going on and how uh, sports people in the media who have to develop relationships with these coaches want to say, well, I know he's high on integrity and, you know, he would never have somebody working for them like this. This is my thing. It's one of two things. 
if the coach didn't know what was going on, if you had a a rogue assistant, then to me, he still should be held responsible because ultimately he is the CEO. He is the head. He's the president. He's the guy that that runs and organizes the whole program. So he's the one that should set the tone. Any great, successful organization, the person at the head should be end on everything that's going on in this program. He doesn't necessarily have to be micromanaging everything, but it's interesting to me how they land some of these players and the coaches want to act oblivious like they don't know how they got there. And maybe they didn't know how they got there, but at least he should be held responsible because he is the head. Now, me personally, if they're not directly in knowledge of what's going on, like they're not necessarily on the phone in the room saying, hey, you know, I need you to do this. We got to go get this guy. You know, we got to make sure we get this kind of money. The players are asking for this. Um, I still think that it's kind of one of those unspoken things that go on in, in not only basketball, but probably college football as well, where, you know, it's kind of understood that maybe they got a player. Maybe there's some questions being asked and maybe the coach is smart enough to know not to go ask the assistant coach directly because they don't want to implement themselves, implicate themselves in anything. So they kind of don't ask. But I think it's kind of like an unspoken thing, an understood thing to know that, hey, that they possibly bought this player. I mean, I'm here in Chicago, one of the biggest markets for high school basketball, basketball period. Um, and since I was old enough to remember, and I'm 35 now, there was always rumors or innuendos of players getting bought, you know, families moving to other cities, uh, uh, family members getting jobs that might be affiliated with the university or maybe a building owned by a corporation on the university's campus, you know, stories of family members being able to travel here and, you know, this amount of money. And some of the money I heard wasn't no pennies. We're not talking about a couple thousand. I've heard stories of people getting anywhere from $150,000 to $350,000 to attend certain universities. So for, for, to, for this to be going on at this level for this long and for the coaches to act like they don't know anything that's going on, to me, it's just it's not honest of what's going on. I just think they know enough. They have enough sense and enough smarts to know enough but not know enough to get themselves uh, personally implicated in all the allegations of the different things that's going on, because let's just be honest, this is a there's so much money at stake, and you know I've even heard a couple of people on Twitter and you know on TV just comment how they can't believe this is going on and this is no good for the game. And when you're talking about billions of dollars that's at stake, I don't know who's naive to believe that you wouldn't have some people out here trying to buy players. And to be honest with you. I don't necessarily fault the families because a lot of these players come from from backgrounds where they could really use the money. And to me, let's not even use those that come from maybe poverty, because truth be told, middle class in this country is upwards of almost two hundred thousand dollars. So for those of us who are walking around here claiming to be middle class, we're actually not middle class anywhere. We're part of what's called the working poor. So let's just keep it real. You know, I have a job, a really solid job where I'll be able to put you know, help, you know, my children when they go to college, but I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't have millions of dollars laying around. So if my son, which I have one child right now, and you know, who knows what the future holds for the next one, but if both my children are athletically inclined in a sport and it's a bidding war between them or they want them to go to certain schools, hey, we might have to sit down as a family and say, hey, what can you do for my son? 
I'm just being honest. It's something to think about because these people are making all kinds of money. I mean, you look at somebody like Rick Patino who's in, involved in another scandal over here at, at Louisville. Louisville, most people don't even realize because you think of the Kansases, you think of the Dukes, you think of the Kentuckys, you think of the North Carolinas as being like the super, super blue blood programs, which they are, but I'm talking about as far as grossing money. But how many people know that Louisville basketball actually grosses the most money in college sports? Hmm. Did you know that they own their stadium, the Yum Center, there with, uh, with Kentucky Fried Chicken is involved in? I forget the exact number, but they gross in the high, I want to say almost $30 million. It's either way between 20 to $30 million, somewhere in there. Did you know it was also written too in the article that these programs, when they sign on with these shoe companies, they get a big stipend, a big check from these companies. And it's understood that the coach gets some of the money and the majority of the money. But the rest of the money is mainly supposed to fund the program. It's supposed to fund trips. Since they can't pay them, they should have all the top gear, everything. But then it comes out as no shock to me. Rick Pitino decided, hey, I'm not going to take 40 percent. I'm not going to take 50. I'm not going to even take 75. How about this? I'm going to take 98 percent of this money and put it in my pocket, which I think the, the, the story said total one point five million dollars. I mean, I guess he had to, you know, pay for another thoroughbred racehorse, which he actually named a couple of his racehorses famously after some of his players. So that shows you what he thinks of his players and all that. But, you know, it's just this kind of greed, this kind of stuff that goes on that leads me to believe that a lot of this stuff is kind of going on in a lot of different programs. I, I think it's a wink, wink, you know, handshake type of thing. And, you know, it brings me to my next point, which is actually the hypocrisy of the whole system. And I was talking with a, a brother in my bar, uh, and a, a young guy and my barber today when I was getting my hair cut about the whole system. And the one guy thought, you know, he kept talking about it being fair and, you know, we can't pay these guys a bunch of money because then, you know, the men's bowling team or the women's soccer team won't get any money. And this is just my thing. We live in a capitalistic society. I stated that earlier in the first podcast when it comes to picking a place to work or for employment. This system by nature is not a fair system because if it was a fair system, we wouldn't have the majority of the world living in poverty. We wouldn't have the 1% in this country controlling all the resources if it was supposed to be fair. So why is it when it gets to college sports that now if we're talking fairness? Can anybody answer me that? Why can't they at least give the players endorsements? I was going to talk about that later, but why can't they just give them endorsements? Why can't the players see some of the proceeds, some of the money off the jersey sales? I thought the, the, the documentary of one of my favorite college basketball teams of all time laid this out well, the Fab Five doc. And it was saying how I think it was Jalen Rose, how they would go by the store and they would see the jerseys. I think Jalen wore number five, Chris Webber wore like number four. And even though their name wasn't necessarily on the back, we know who, who that is. We know why the fans is buying that jersey. They're not buying number four because Steve Fisher, the coach, was wearing number four. No, they was buying number four because the player, Chris Weber, they were buying number five because of Jalen Rose. So to me, it makes sense that the athletes should see a percentage off the jersey sales, off endorsements. Then that way, that would take pressure off the university from having to pay these players. But I don't even agree with that. I'm just giving one scenario. And you know what? That even works for female sports. And I don't know all the rules for all the sports like that because I know baseball is kind of tricky. Um, some of these other sports are kind of tricky. 
But I mean, look at UConn women's basketball. That's a top notch blue blood program on all levels, not just men and women. You mean to tell me that some of those women's teams, when they had Donna Taurasi, Sue Bird, Maya Moore most recently, Tina, Tina, um, Tina Charles, that some of these players couldn't get endorsement money, that none of these co- corporations who wouldn't sign up to want to have their faces on their products early? You mean one of these shoe companies wouldn't want to grab a Maya Moore early or a Brittany Griner and Baylor, for that example? Hmm, interesting question. I think they might. You mean to tell me like a, a place like a Lincoln, Nebraska, where their women's basketball uh, volleyball team is one of the best in the country, that maybe some of the young, young ladies on that team couldn't get sponsorship? Some of the track athletes couldn't get sponsorship right now? I mean, you have uh, the, the famous swimmer. She's at Stanford. Now, Katie Ledecky, I don't know if she had to forfeit her money, but if she did, you mean to tell me she couldn't get any endorsement money? I mean, the whole thing is a, is, is a, is a fallacy. It's a false. It's a farce. You have people, like I said, some of the guys that they put on these bowl games at the college level, the directors of the the whatever, whatever, the two plus two sugar bowl and the, the dot com, this, this and this orange bowl, the directors who setting this up, making hundreds, in some cases, millions of dollars off these games. And the players are seeing none of it. And let's be honest, on a basketball team, since we're talking about a basketball pro, uh, podcast, everybody in the starting five doesn't necessarily go to the NBA. They don't even necessarily go overseas. To me, to win a championship, your top six, seven, maybe eight players are key contributors to being uh, for your team for being great that year. And all those all those guys and all those women do not get do not um, go to play professional basketball. So to me, why is it so hard for them to have some type of money in, in, uh, in the form of in, in an account, you know, waiting for them when they get out? It doesn't have to be. Super crazy, but what's wrong with when you get out of school? Hey, here's a check for $200,000 to help you get started. I know when I came out of college, I wish I had some money to get, get started. You know, it would, it would you could either put that towards a house, a home, maybe moving somewhere, who knows? But it would be helpful if they was able to get that kind of money. Um, so the whole system, to me, it shouldn't be about fairness, because honestly, if it was really about fairness, it's a simple solution and a simple fix. All you will have to do is pay every coach at these major universities the same amount of money. Some of these schools bring in money. A lot of these schools lose a lot of money because they have to finance all these different sports. But why not give uh, the coaches an average salary of $200,000, $250,000 maybe? I don't know. I don't have a, a, a great number, but it could be a six-figure salary. You mean to tell me that nobody can live off of six six figures? I mean, you have Nick Saban making $11 million, and Alabama actually bought his house, so he doesn't even pay a mortgage. Jim Harbaugh making close to $9 million. Rick Pitino making $9 million. Coach K, like seven to $8 million. Calipari, seven to $8 million. These guys are making millions of dollars off the backs of these players. Kind of sounds like another institution that existed in this country for years. Hmm. Don't want to kind of throw it out there, but I think we all know what we're talking about. And it was actually mentioned in the book written by William C. Roden called The $40 Slave, where he talks about sports and how mainly black sports and how it's transitioning in this country. It calls in the question and most people say, oh, Z, you being a little, you know, you're going a little bit too far comparing this to slavery and all this. I'm just saying the idea of it all where you have a certain group of people getting filthy rich and then you have another group not getting any money, 
then I don't know what that else is called. Not to mention some of these these players who have injuries and don't necessarily, even, even if they had a promising pro career, don't even necessarily get to go pro. And as far as the sneaker role, sneaker companies role in this, and I'm actually tied to sneaker companies and AAU uh, into this because to me, they both work hand in hand. I understand why the sneaker companies is doing this. I mean, billions of billions of dollars is at state. I mean, Adidas is now the clear number two. They just passed Jordan brand and Nike is right there at number one. So I get it why Adidas or Nike or Under Armour now with the popularity of Steph Curry is starting to take off with one to invest millions of dollars into uh, to possibly being being able to sign the next LeBron, the next KD, the next Curry, the next Harden, the next Lillard, you know, the recent retired Kobe. Why wouldn't they want to take an AAU team, sponsor the team, pay these guys six figures? I, I mean, I know some of these AAU programs. I know some of these guys. I know the kind of money they're getting, how they're getting financed and backed by these major shoe companies. Because if they're able to put up a few hundred thousand in return and get back one LeBron James, then you, you, the investment was worth it. I mean, these, these guys who run these corporations are actually using the backs of players to help pay for the investment and pay for their children's future while not worrying about the, the people that they're making the money off's future. Like I said before, this whole system is is um, hypocrisy. And I think this whole AAU culture has got to the point where it's so dominant and so powerful in college basketball and in basketball circles that you have somebody like uh, LeVar Ball come out and say that he's not he's pulling his son out of school. He's just going to homeschool him. And I told somebody this on Twitter because it was a big debate of how he's the worst father and he's this and he's that. And as usual, People having no perspective, and that's why I call this the, the 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 podcast with perspective. Because if you think it through, I actually see what he's saying. He doesn't need to play high school basketball. You don't need high school basketball anymore. If you're playing on the AAU circuit and you're a great player, no college is going to come and say, you know what, uh, Kansas is going to be like, well, we're not going to sign him. Or North Carolina's like, we're not going to sign him. You know, he didn't play for his high school team, so. You know, even though I know he's like the number two and the number three player in his class, but since he didn't play any high school ball, I'm not going to sign him. Like, no, nobody's not going to do anything. It doesn't, they're not going to do that. It doesn't make sense. So I just think where all this is going, that we're going to keep hearing these kind of scandals, these type of money changing hands because there's so much money at stake. And anytime there's millions of dollars at stake, somebody's always going to try to find a shortcut. Somebody's going to always try to find a way to get around the rules, a way to... Um, give themselves or their company or the team or the the uni- university or that they uh, work for an edge. It's just it is what it is, and you know that's why I think at the end of the day at, they should at least give these guys endorsements. Now I know they put the the rule in. I think it's called the Ed O'Bannon rule. If it's not, I'm, I apologize. I don't have the notes in front of me. I know it was brought to attention when Shabazz Napier made his comments after UConn won the the national championship that year, but where they give these players stipends and they get a little bit more money this year um, now, but it's still peanuts compared to the type of money that these young men and these young ladies are bringing into several different universities. So just kind of wanted to stop by real quick, weigh in on the NCAA shoe scandal, uh, weigh in on the whole idea of amateur sports versus pro sports. Um, Before I wrap, though, just real quick, I also think, you know, if we, the United States went to the model that you see over in Europe where they don't have college teams. 
they have club teams. And depending on what sports you play, if you're, you're good, you go play that sport for that club and you go to school and you learn how to become a, a pro, you learn how to become a professional. And they, you know, we're not trying to f- act like this whole charade of people going to school for education. Certain people we know when they come in for athletics, especially the one and done guys, we know they're there to play basketball. So why is it that we got to play this charade that, you know, school is so important? And don't get me wrong, school is important. But at the end of the day, you come to college to learn some type of profession, to get some type of degree so you can go on and make money. And it just happened in these cases that a lot of these guys, their profession is going to be professional sports. So why not get let them get started early? And I think if we possibly went to that system, I think that could also help eliminate that. And I mean, let's just be honest. The value of a college degree these days does not have the same value that it once had. I mean, I had a bachelor's degree in history. And but when I got my degree, I couldn't find a job. I had to go drive and operate a bus for for CTA, which is a, a great career. I mean, they make really good money once you become full time. But and I'm not knocking anybody for that, but that's not what I went to school for. That's not why I incurred all those student loans and date. I did not do that to ultimately become a, a bus driver. You know, I didn't go to school to drive a trolley. I didn't go to school to work at, at a health club and then drive a school bus during the day. So this whole idea as school being the great equalizer and, and degree meaning a lot, we all know that's a thing of the past. I'm sure we all know several people who have degrees. In some cases, I know people with two degrees. Hell, my wife even has a master's degree. And, and, you know, at times it's hard for her to find employment. So let's stop acting like they're going to school and being paid, uh, getting paid through education. Like this is the greatest thing in the world and it's the great equalizer. If that's the case, you wouldn't have so many people driving Uber and Lyft and waiting tables or bartending just to make ends meet. So as you can tell, I was very passionate about this subject. That'll bring this episode of the Off the Glass podcast to a close. Remember to follow me on Twitter at ZJ at Off the Glass. You can also go to iTunes, download, like, subscribe, leave a comment. You can find us on iTunes at the Off the Glass podcast. You can also check out my website, theofftheglasspodcast.com. Um, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. This is your host, Z. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.